0: two three go feminist mormon housewives well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Feminist War and Housewives podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, bringing you another episode in our year of polygamy series. This is episode number six. And if you're just starting here with us, I would recommend that you start on episode number one with Fanny Alger. Today we're highlighting the story of Agnes Coolbrith, who is a little bit unique in her backstory because she would be married to Joseph Smith's brother, Don Carlos. And would live what we would, which is another part of polygamy, which is considered a leverate marriage, which is sort of a biblical idea that the brother takes over another brother's wife if the brother passes away. So let's get into it. Agnes Moulton Coolbrith was born in 1811 in Scarborough, Cumberland County, Maine. She gets baptized in Boston in July of 1832 and gathers with the saints in Kirtland, Ohio. She boards with Joseph and Emma Smith, and Emma and Joseph were always taking in new saints. And later, Nauvoo uh, had the mansion house, which was sort of like a hotel. On July 30th, 1835, so just two years after being baptized, she marries Joseph's brother, Don Carlos. The interesting thing is she's eight years older than Don Carlos. Don Carlos was a printer and ran a printing press, but traveled much of the time to do missionary work for the church in Pennsylvania and in Ohio. And he was a good-looking man. You can see a picture of him on the blog post about Agnes. Three years later, when Joseph flees Kirtland for Missouri, Agnes and Don Carlos follow. When Don Carlos left for another mission to help raise funds for the church, Agnes finds herself alone and caring for two children. She has a really hard time of it because she's part of the family, the Smith family. Her home is burned and looted by the mobs. And she's alone without a husband, and she flees the house in terror, carrying her two-year-old and six-month-old daughters through snow and an icy river. And we can see reminiscence of this in some of the church films where you see the the women panicked and fleeing in the ice with their children running in terror. And this is true. I mean... You can imagine the idea of being woken up by an angry mob in the middle of the night. By many accounts, Don Carlos is deeply, deeply in love with Agnes. In Todd Compton's In Sacred Loneliness, he includes several letters written to Agnes from Don Carlos. One letter ends with this love poem, quote, I turn, I gaze beyond the stream, from whence I came propelled by steam. There I behold my fireside, the choice of youth, Agnes, my bride. Her soft and tender voice I hear, which sounds delightful to my ear. With her I find that pearl of price, by some abused, by some despised. Hark! I hear the prattlings of children, more precious than fine gold. A gift of God to us we now behold. Their tender minds may they imbibe. The precious jewel by me described. This is the pearl, the richest price bestowed on me whilst here in life. End quote. Eventually, the couple settles in Navoo, and they now have three daughters. And several accounts relate that Don Carlos was vehemently opposed to polygamy. So, as as Joseph's, you know, acquiring wives, he's trying to get his brothers. He's trying to convince Hiram and Don Carlos into this practice, and Hiram rejects it at first, and Don Carlos <laughs> vehemently rejects it. His printing partner, Ebenezer Robinson, recounts him saying, quote, Any men who will teach a practice the doctrine of spiritual wifery will go to hell. I don't care if it's my brother Joseph. End quote. During the summer of 1841, Don Carlos contracts malaria. He's only 25, and he passes away. On his deathbed, Joseph Smith asked Don Carlos if he had a last request, to which it is said that he answered, Yes, I have, Joseph Smith. I want you for the rest of your life to be an honest man, quote. Now Joseph F. Smith would later deny this claim made by Don Carlos' daughter, Ina. So Ina is the one that said that these were his dying words, and Joseph F. Smith, of course, says that's not true, that he wants him to be an honest man. That's funny. In spite of Don Carlos Smith's opposition to the practice, five months later, Agnes would marry Joseph Smith, allegedly as this Old Testament marriage, like I said, where the brother marries another brother's widow. The marriage was guarded by secrecy. And there's, a, there's some arguing among scholars if this was sexual or not. And I think many of them agree it was strictly Levite, which means, you know, Joseph only felt this responsibility to include her in the sealing but the marriage is very, very secret. On January 6, 1842, Brigham Young writes a very cryptic entry in his journal using Masonic symbols, and Brigham would often do this around this period. Decoded, it reads, quote, I was taken in the lodge. J. Smith was Agnes's. The abbreviation was means wedded and sealed. On the same day in Joseph's diary, you find, quote, Truly this is a day long to be remembered by the saints of the last days a day in which the God of heaven has begun to restore the ancient order of his kingdom. All things are concurring together to bring about the completion of the fullness of the gospel, end quote. Later that spring, at a meeting at the Women's Relief Society, Emma Smith announces that a young woman, Clarissa Marvel, quote, was accused of telling a scandalous falsehood on the character of President Joseph Smith. Now, you can hear about this whole tale in our Daughters in My Kingdom series when we talk about the early Relief Society. This is a huge scandal. Now, remember, Joseph Smith is marrying all these women, and Emma Smith doesn't know about it. She doesn't even know that Joseph is now married to her own sister-in-law. So Clarissa marvels this young girl. She's telling people, uh, you know that Joseph Smith is married to so-and-so and so-and-so, or you know, sleeping with so-and-so and so-and-so. Emma Smith is outraged by this and she uses the Relief Society, the newly formed Relief, Relief Society to conduct an investigation. She is really eager to prove that her husband is innocent of this improper behavior. But I also think, and this is just me editorializing a little bit. Emma is no stranger to rumors of Joseph Smith being with other women. And if accounts are to be believed has witnessed some of it herself by this point, Emma you know, is terribly upset by this, terribly insecure by this. And she is out to prove, to kind of rid Joseph of these rumors, and I think of this practice. And he gives her this power of the early society, and so she uses this to hold these sort of trials. And the women that she has help her with these trials are women that are already secretly married to Joseph. So this period is very complicated for Joseph. He has to do this double speak, where he's putting out a public statement to assuage Emma, and in the meantime not offend his his wife, so he's denouncing polygamy publicly, but uh you know his wording is such that he says, Oh, it's different um polygamy is evil, but my brand of eternal plural marriage is of God um Emma makes Clarissa, the young girl who is you know talking about this these accusations, sign the following statement quote. This is to certify that I have never at any time or place seen or heard anything improper or unvirtuous in the conduct or conversation of either President Smith or Mrs. Agnes Smith. I never have reported anything derogatory to the characters of either of them." End quote. Now by this time, by the time she signs it, Agnes and Smith had been married for almost four months. After Smith's death, Agnes marries Joseph and Don Carlos' cousin, George Albert Smith. As George Albert and the rest of the saints were leaving for Utah, Agnes wrote, quote, I have no other one to ask but you. My mind is much troubled about coming. I want to come, and I do not want to come. I feel alone, all alone. If there was a Carlos or Joseph or a Hiram there, how quickly I would be there, end quote. Agnes ultimately does not migrate to Utah. She would marry a fourth husband, William Pickett, and eventually move to California, essentially leaving her Mormon past behind. And this was common too. I mean, growing up Mormon, we kind of, we kind of, you know, have this idea that just a few people stayed back and this vast majority of saints went west. And it wasn't so simple. A lot of people stayed back. And Mormonism, before it even got to the point of going to Utah, had many schisms. There were many breakoffs. There were many, what the saints would call apostasies, but people starting their own branches and having their own sort of breakoffs. And Agnes was one of those people that just couldn't go west. To avoid identification with her former, with her former family or with Mormonism, Agnes starts using her maiden name Coolbreath, and her daughter would later follow suit. She shortened her name from Josephine to Ina to further conceal the relationship. So she was kind of named after Joseph, and she changes it. Consequently, I think this is fascinating. Agnes's daughter, Ina Coolbrith was a famous American poet, writer, librarian, and prominent figure in the San Francisco Bay Area. She was called the Sweet Singer of California, and she was the first California Poet Laureate and the first Poet Laureate of any American state. And you can see a picture of her, of Ina. Beautiful, beautiful photo of her. She's just gorgeous. Many years later, her marriage to Joseph Smith was still shrouded in secrecy. Agnes wrote to her nephew, Joseph F. Smith, saying, quote, I acknowledge none greater than those that belong to the household of Joseph, our dear, dear, dear departed one Joseph. I could say many things to you that I know and that have been told me by those that are dead and gone, but perhaps you would not believe me. No, I know that you would not, so it's best for me to keep silent, end quote. In 1876, just months before her death, Agnes was visited by David and Alexander Smith, who were on a missionary journey promoting their anti polygamous RLDS religion. Now, again, I told you that there was a big push by the RLDS community and the church to prove that polygamy was not, did not exist. And this had to do with some uh, land issues and rights to property. So they just didn't have a religious stake in this. They had like a financial stake in pr- proving that polygamy didn't exist while the LDS church. The Brighamite Church would also have a stake in proving that Joseph was married to these women. So they send David and Alexander Smith on this journey to kind of like interview people, and they go around, and Joseph uh, Smith Third would also do the same thing. They were undoubtedly surprised by what their aunt Agnes would have to say. Lucy Walker visited Agnes eight years later and wrote, quote, I had a very pleasant visit at Oakland, California with Ina Kulbrith, daughter of Agnes Kulbrith who received me with much tenderness and affection from her. I learned many things that I was glad to know. One fact that was by her mother bore testimony to the boys, Joseph and Emma Smith's sons, you know, the members of the RLDS church who visited in 1876 in regard to the faith and teachings of their father and told them that, that what they had seen and heard in Salt Lake was truth, that those women were their father's wives. And it was useless to promulgate promulgate. Promulgate, Falls said to the world, and advised them to desist. They pretended not to believe, but she could plainly see that they were stung with the, tes- the truth of her testimony. David seemed struck dumb, astounded, the living testimony of so many. What could their object be? Alexander said he could not take anybody's word, not even Aunt Agnes. Joseph's, Joseph Smith third would not talk on the subject. After they left, they sent Ina what purported to be the history of their father and their mother's dying testimony and desired her to place them in her library. She wrote them. She could not with the knowledge she had that they were false. End quote. Agnes Coolbrith separated herself spiritually and physically from the Utah church. However, when the RLDS missionaries come um, teaching that Joseph Smith was not a polygamist, Agnes directly challenges their testimony by recalling her early events in life and her memories. Reportedly, her last words are, quote, Oh, what a dupe I have been. What a dupe I have been. Agnes' daughter interpreted this as referring to her association with Mormonism, while Agnes' nephew, Apostle Joseph F. Smith, believed it was a reference to a marriage to William Pickett and her separation from the church. So, Ina, who lives with her seems to have a great resentment to the LDS church and interprets a lot of her mother's statements to be like oh, I was so duped by the the Mormon church whereas Joseph F Smith would say no 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 she felt regret because she left the, she left the church Agnes has an incredible history but it's also worth researching Ina if you get a minute I would go ahead and look and again with all of these I'm giving you a very short and concise History. You can go look these up. The Joseph Smith Papers is starting to publish letters that Joseph has written these women. You can look those up. I would type their names into Google, and you'll be amazed at the stuff that's coming up. It's so great to see these histories start popping up online everywhere. I would look those up, and I would also buy *In Sacred Loneliness*, where Todd does a great job including all these letters and a lot of these these um, primary source texts that we didn't have before his hard research. So I appreciate you listening and we hope you continue to support the Feminist Woman Housewives podcast and the series of uh, year polygamy. Thanks for joining us.